football, baseball, basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman. This is the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. No live show today. Unfortunately, going to have to do a podcast version today due to uh, health protocols. So once again, me and Jacob are at home today. Um, first, before we get started, Jacob, doing all right? I'm doing all right. As long as, you know, Weeks we don't, as long as we stay okay and we're staying healthy, then we're doing good. That's fine, you know. Trying to stay healthy. It's been a weird year. Um, nothing new to us, but... Regardless, going to do the school board today. Like I said, recorded version, so if you're listening to this, it is on your favorite podcasting platform. Spotify, Apple, you name it, you can find the scoreboard on there. We have a lot to talk about today. Super Bowl Sunday was this past weekend. Tom Brady continuing to solidify himself as the GOAT. Um, Auburn basketball cutting their losing skid, getting back into the side of the win column, and plenty more to talk about on today's podcast. So I think the biggest thing we're going to start out with today is going to be the Super Bowl. Tom Brady wins his seventh ring. And Patrick Mahomes uh, has not had the torch passed to him just yet. Yeah, we were hoping for a good game, an exciting Super Bowl. But once again, third year in a row, we got kind of a boring Super Bowl. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. And it's really what we didn't expect. I I think we expected Tampa Bay to kind of give Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense a little bit of trouble with the defensive line and those defensive backs from Auburn. But not this much. I mean, Patrick Mahomes only passed for 270 yards and two interceptions with zero touchdowns. The Chiefs didn't put a touchdown on the board. Not what anyone expected. I think that we expected the Buccaneers to do what they did, but it was just an excellent performance from the Buccaneers' defense. No, yeah, and I agree. And I would even argue that you mentioned the past few Super Bowls that this has probably been one of the – I guess you could say people would think that this is the most evenly matched up game that a lot of people are looking forward to. We said that on the show last week. And coming into this game, we both thought the Chiefs would win. Didn't you predict the yeah. Chiefs? Because I did. Um, and like you said, nobody expected only nine points to be put up from the Chiefs. Only three field goals, no touchdowns. And Tom Brady didn't really have a spectacular game. He was very efficient. 21 of 29 for 200 plus yards. Had three touchdowns with no interceptions. And had a QBR of almost 82. So um, it was kind of a total team effort on the offensive side of the ball from Tampa Bay. Yeah, I thought Rob Gronkowski was going to win the MVP after his first two like touchdowns. It, yeah. And then even, of all people, Antonio Brown scores the touchdowns. Like You would think that the guys scoring touchdowns for Tampa Bay were going to be Cameron Brait, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. But here comes two old guys that come in with catching passes from another old guy for touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And it was really just a complete performance from Tampa Bay. And not to mention, you know, not flashy numbers from Leonard Fournette. He didn't even carry the ball that much. He only had 16 carries, but he ran one in for a touchdown, almost 100 yards, and he was running downhill. Um, Kansas City's front seven didn't really have an answer for the run game. Uh, Tyran Matthew couldn't back up his smack talk. <laughs> and I'm still interested to know what was exchanged between Who those two. Knows? Because Just, Tom Brady never gets that Like you up. said, yeah, exactly. Because I remember when we were watching it, that was the first thing. It was like, Tom Brady usually wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. But he was ticked off. Like we all like put our arms out in front of each other. Like, oh my gosh! Like, what is Tom doing? I was waiting for someone to throw some hands, but unfortunately that didn't happen. That would have been the most interesting thing to happen in the Super Bowl. Hey, we betted on that last week. We did. If a fight would break out, we did. And then it didn't. Yeah. So, um, 
But no, Tampa Bay's offense really kind of did what they wanted at will, scoring within that 30 to 40 range, but they've, they've really been doing that a lot this season. Um, and I think another big storyline was Kansas City was without Eric Fisher. Their O-line was banged up. Um, and Patrick Mahomes really giving it all he can through that turf toe injury, which he's going to have surgery on. I think he had surgery on it yesterday. Um, so Patrick Mahomes not being able to pull through for his team as much as he'd like. Yeah, and like I said, the Tampa Bay defense put together a complete performance backed up by a perfect game plan from defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. It was difficult for them to get anything going. The offensive line struggled a lot against this front four of Tampa Bay. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was sacked three times, but if it was any other quarterback, he would have been sacked many more times. We saw a lot of those crazy throws from him where he's parallel to the ground and falling backwards and whatever, but Adonkin Sue, Gill, Shaq Barrett got sacks. It was a great performance, and I think Jason Pierre-Paul was getting a lot of pressure as well. And like I said, he only got sacked three times because of how great he is at scrambling around. It was just a huge effect on Patrick Mahomes. And they say, you know, they don't give out an offensive and a defensive MVP for the game, but if they could, it'd be the whole Tampa Bay defense. Yeah. Um, one person in particular, Devin White, who's silently com- uh, convincing people he might be the best linebacker in the NFL right now. Um, 12 total tackles, had two of them for a loss, eight of them were solos, and also had a pass deflection. And I mean, he just had an absolutely crazy game. So did their defense with two Auburn alums, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, having great games as well. Jamel Dean was all over the field. Carlton Davis was on on an island. I mean, nobody could get over there and get a pass on him. Um, and I also think the funniest part of the game was also uh, – uh, his name's slipping my mind right now. I can't think of it. Uh, Antoine Winfield. Um, throwing up the peace sign at Cheetah, that's going to be a very memorable moment for years to come. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where back early in the year, Tyreek Hill dominated this Buccaneers defense going for 269 yards in the regular season. And Winfield doesn't forget, clearly. And he, he showed him the peace sign. And it obviously was in a point of the game where they were up 31-9. It was fourth down. It didn't matter. It, didn't, yeah. it did not matter. I'm sure he got chewed out on the sideline because that's how coaches are. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> let, let them have some fun. He just won a Super Bowl. And I think it was like with less than four minutes left. Exactly. And they were already up 31-9. to nine, So it's like, you know what? And, you know, you, you grow up in sports with the, you know, good sportsmanship, don't be petty, <laughs> which I've always been a very big ag- advocate for, but I'm not going to lie. That was a very <laughs> sweet moment. It was clever. Moment. Uh, he just hopes that it won't come back to bite him in the butt because Antoine Whitfield is a rookie, I believe, from yeah. Minnesota. I'm not sure he's from Minnesota. I don't know where he's, he's from, young. but he, he's very young. So, point being, you hope that doesn't come back to bite him in the butt. But that's, point being, that's going to be a very uh, very funny Super Bowl moment to come for years. Um, definitely seems like Kansas City is going to invest in their defense a lot in the offseason. <laughs> they better. Or offensive line, which, of course, it doesn't help that Fisher was out for the game. So, you you can't put too much of the line. He had injuries to deal with. But it also doesn't help when your wide receivers are dropping passes right into their numbers and face masks. True, so, uh, true. I think I think the biggest thing was Kansas City was kind of just shell shocked. I mean, they looked they looked fine in the first quarter. And then at halftime, they were down. Um, they were down twenty one to six at halftime, and I think they thought like, okay, like we can come back from this. It's just going to take a total team effort. And then in the third quarter, Tampa Bay only allowing them to have three more points. So um, I think they kind of kind of started giving up after that. Well, I think the moment of the game was in was this in the second quarter? It was the beginning of the second quarter when the Bucks went for it on fourth and goal and didn't get it. That should have been the moment. The Chiefs were down 7-3. to three. That's when they should have put together a drive, even if they don't score. Get to midfield, get the offense in a rhythm, and then you do fine. But instead they go three and out, and guess what? Tampa Bay scores a touchdown right after that. Yeah. I think that was the moment of the game where 
it turned into this might get bad for the Chiefs, and it did because they scored two touchdowns before halftime. Yeah, so kind of some missed opportunities early lead to a low energy deficit later in the game, but overall, Tampa Bay wins 31-9, to uh, seventh Super Bowl ring for Tom Brady, which was the biggest storyline coming out of this game moving forward, um, continuing the discussion of him being the GOAT, and it also brings up the discussion of, is Tom Brady the GOAT in general? Not just football. They, they're comparing him to Michael Jordan. They were comparing him in, in golf to Tiger Woods. They were comparing him to different sort of players in different leagues. And that's an interesting debate to have. It very much is. And it's so difficult to do because sports are different. Like when you bring up Tiger Woods, a lot of people brought up Serena Williams as well. It's just so much different. It's too different to make the comparison. You can't compare it to like an individual sport. Exactly. And yeah. even Michael Jordan is difficult to compare to. That's that. I think I can live with that comparison because it's a team sport. But when it comes to the individuals, it's just impossible to do. It's, you shouldn't do it. But for sure, and Tom sports. Brady's up there. Yeah. Tom Brady's up there. And, you know, it's like he's not the most athletic guy in the world. He's not an athlete, so to say. But he achieves everything. He wins. And that's what it's kind of all about. Yeah. And because you can go back and be like, well, I mean, Bo Jackson's a much better athlete than Tom Brady. I would want Tom or Bo Jackson on my team instead of Tom Brady. I mean, do you really? I'd rather have Tom Brady because yeah. he wins like crazy. So, And he did it in his first year down in Tampa Bay. I mean, how often do you hear of an athlete changing cities and winning it in the first year, which we talked about for the podcast today was about Mookie Betts is also another guy that left Boston and went to a different team and won in his first year. So it's not very rare. Superstar I mean, does I wouldn't that. even compare that because he's going to the Dodgers. That's true. And the Dodgers were already right there, whereas the Buccaneers were 7-9 and nine last year. Yeah. That shows how much of a difference Tom Brady made for this team. And like you said, it's not like he put up the flashiest stats or anything, but he was so efficient. And remember the beginning of the year, it wasn't pretty. Oh, it wasn't at it all. It took time for they them to... They had a rough to, November, too. Exactly. Yeah. It took time for them to really get in the groove. And then by November, they slumped again. But then they picked it back up for the playoffs, and that's when Tom Brady shines the most. Yeah. But overall, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say there's not really a debate between Tom Brady being compared to anybody else in football now. After Tom Brady... That's kind of where the real debate begins with, you know, the Dan Marinos, Joe Montanas, Peyton Mannings, different guys of that sort. But um, and, and maybe eventually Patrick Mahomes. It just yeah. depends on how he bounces back from this year and what happens going forward. He's got 10 years on that contract. so And it's like uh, what we were saying earlier was, I mean, or I said this on Sunday, you know, some people have to have early Super Bowl losses like that, especially after being so high off of one. Because, I mean, after the Chiefs won last year, all you heard in the NFL besides Brady going to the Bucks was Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. So... A young player like that with his superstar potential, he's only like, what, 24, 25? Experiencing one of those early in his career, I believe, will lead to a few more later in his career. Well, and that's still true about them talking about the Chiefs. I'm looking at the odds for next year's Super Bowl 56. Chiefs plus 550 still. They're the favorite. Buccaneers are plus 900 tied with your Packers. And then after that, it's kind of just a mosh pit. Ravens, Bills, Rams, 49ers, Saints are all right there to contend. But it's hard to imagine the Chiefs not making it back next year. Even though the AFC is starting to get really loaded. I mean, Ravens, Bills, the Browns, look out for them, I say. Steelers can never count them out. Exactly. There's so many teams that can really make a push. But the Chiefs are just so good. Like, how can you pick against them? Yeah. I picked against them with the Bills, but that was just because they were on just that hot streak. It just felt like they were a perfect Cinderella story. And... You know, in my mind, if I'm using, using, it was a heart pick in my mind. I was like, Chiefs are probably going to win this, but I like the Bills. 
I just don't know how you pick against the Chiefs for next year. Yeah, next year is definitely Chiefs, Bucks, Packers. I think that's pretty accurate. And then following that, it's who's there. I mean, I know that um, a big one also is San Francisco, who's going to be pretty healthy next year. That was their problem this year was they got yeah. banged up, had a lot of key players out, Bosa being one of them. Um, I know George Kittle was battling some injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo was underperforming. And so, the, the defensive end opposite of Bosa. I can't say his name, but the, both their defensive ends were out. Yeah. And that really hampered their defense. So, but, uh, hey, one more thing. Tom Brady really enjoyed yes, his seventh Super Bowl parade yesterday. Somebody said, this is what happens when you uh, drink 10 gallons of water a day and then you have three alcoholic beverages. I mean, it, I mean that was hilarious. Just, it was, it was, he was enjoying himself he because was. he's never been in a sunny, uh, I don't know, a sunny Super Bowl parade. True. Because all of them have been in New England. I think the boat parade was super cool. That like, was cool. I hope socially teams, distant. I hope teams do it anyway, even after COVID's done. Like, yeah, I it was cool. cool. I don't. I I don't fully agree with tossing the Lombardi Trophy from a boat to the other, but he can afford that. The only ten thousand dollars. I looked it up. Cost ten thousand dollars to make, and it's seven pounds. <laughs> yeah, it's lighter than I thought. It'd be like ten or fifteen pounds. Yeah. Well, and it's football heavy. Yeah, it's not like the um, Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup that's absolutely massive. And that's got to be like 25 pounds, 30 the, pounds. Let's look that up. But the thing is, the Stanley Cup has been through a lot of stuff. Well, and Gronk dented the he did. Super Bowl True. trophy, too. So, uh, it is football heavy, though, I'm the, sure. The Stanley Cup is 34 and a half pounds. Woo! But the thing, I mean, it's it's 35 and a half inches almost, so. Yeah. I, I <laughs> when he threw that, the video of his daughter screaming, no, 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 is and Amazing. He still does it. I love it. Yeah, him him getting back on land with that guy having his hand around his waist and like guiding him through the crowd. That's that was awesome. You know that guy is works for the Buccaneers and tell him do not say a word, do not say a word, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yeah. Because if he said anything, it, now anybody else you could argue that like they kind of get harassed for that all over social media. Tom Brady, it's like that's awesome. I mean, you should be you should you should be able to celebrate, but yeah. yeah. But anyways, Super Bowl 55 is over. Next year's Super Bowl will be in Los Angeles, correct? SoFi Stadium. So looking forward to that. Brand new stadium over there in Los Angeles. Um, and you never know, a home team might be back in that one next year. <coughs> Rams with Matthew Stafford. So if they're not frauds again. Hey, Jerry Goss gone. So it's a, <laughs> it's a new future for the Rams. But anyways, going to move on from our Super Bowl segment today. We're going to go ahead and start talking about some Auburn basketball. So Auburn basketball. Oh, man. Started the three-game losing streak in Waco. End up losing on a buzzer beater last Saturday to Ole Miss, and they needed to break their losing streak. Oh, don't skip over the awful loss of Georgia. I was trying to forget that one. <laughs> but they beat Vandy on the road in one of the world's weirdest and oldest coliseums, or I should say gymnasiums because that's what it is. Um, get back into the winning column, 73-67. Not great play, especially in the first half of this game, but Auburn pulls through in the second half after being down at halftime, highlighted by Jamal Johnson and Shreve Cooper's 19 points apiece. I really don't know where this Auburn team, the direction it's going to go. They need to win Saturday is what I'll go ahead and start off with. Because that first half against Vanderbilt was awful. It was a terrible basketball game. And Auburn won with talent. Vanderbilt's got some talent. Scotty Pippen Jr. is a great player. But overall, Auburn is going to be a more talented team. Jerry Stackhouse really is not doing his job there. And... I really think that the second half, the offense was better. I think that they picked up the tempo and they did a good job with that. And that's why Vanderbilt still scored 42 points in the second half. But the defense was also better. Not a ton better, but it was better and it was good enough. I, I look more back at the Georgia and Ole Miss games at how the effort on the boards, getting rebounds, 
They didn't do a good job at that. No. They were dominated by Ramella White or and uh, Devontae Shuler. And at Georgia, I think that was just that was just they didn't get up for that game. I'm not like I said. I'm not sure where this team is headed. I think that these players are still bought in. They're still going to be playing hard. And as Sharif Cooper said in the W video that all our basketball release, stay with us. We're going to put it together. You only got six games to do that. Yeah. Because there's no tournament. So, and we, I think we all know that that Alabama game on March 2nd is going to be the national championship for this Auburn team. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you, you, as an Auburn fan, you don't want to admit that, but it's just a simple fact. Yeah. You got a lot of opportunities at Kentucky to win the first time. I don't even know. When was the last time Auburn won a rub? I don't know. Then you got Mississippi State at home, LSU on the road, Florida at home, Tennessee for senior. Well, there's no senior day because there are no seniors on the team. And then Alabama on the road. So a lot of opportunities to really get a big win and have some momentum going into next year. But I just don't know what the direction is headed. January 9th of 1988 was the last time Auburn won in <laughs> arena. That's crazy. It's very crazy. Um, I think it's going to be very tough considering the way last the last matchup went between these two opponents. Um, but I'll get into that in a second. But the big thing I take away from this game, not only is Jamal Johnson finding his stroke again and Sharif Cooper's second half performance, which I was kind of upset about because I'm trying to... Isn't that kind of funny, about going back to Jamal? Bruce Pearl's like, who do I want to score 20 today? I'm going to put you on the, the bench, bench, and yeah. then they're going to play well. We talked about that the other night. It was like... Bruce decides who he wants to pop off. He's like, you know, hey, we're just not going to start you tonight just for this game. <laughs> so, um, no, but yeah, Jamal having a great game, like I said, and Sharif, second half, his emergence, and I was kind of mad because uh, his stats weren't insane, and I was like, pull him off the draft boards, and then he's just like, you know, I'm just going to carry in the second half. But um, another thing I really take away from this game, and I, th- I don't know if a lot of Auburn fans have really noticed this. I mean, I've kind of taken note to it is JT's Thor, JT Thor's regression in the past few yeah. games. Yeah, it, He's not playing like he's a 6'10 forward in the SEC. No, and it started, what game was it? It was an Arkansas game about a month ago where his defense looked terrible in the yeah. second half. And then from there, it just kind of compounded to everything. He still made highlight plays. I mean, that dunk against Ole Miss was Electric. insane. Electric. So he still, it's not like he's not caring. Yeah. It's just, I don't know what it is. But he's still young, and he's going to show – I think maybe he was just so much – there was so much praise for him early on that we're seeing what a young JT Thor should look like. Yeah. Now, next year when he comes back, hopefully this full season of experience plus a full offseason. Yes. He didn't get a full offseason this past uh, this past year. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, although we don't expect huge things out of him, it's just he did get six rebounds. It's just it feels like sometimes – we have a six foot ten forward on the floor that is not utilizing his own potential. And another thing I want to point out, talking about forwards and centers, is Jalen Williams. You kind of never know what you're going to get out of Jalen. Right. Like the other night, four points, or you're going to get a twenty something point performance every now and then. He did have ten rebounds, which is what he's down there to do is to rebound. But um, well, I remember after the Georgia game, I was very unhappy with how he rebounded the ball, and he's done much better since then. Yeah, he's. He's doing what he needs to do on the boards. Um, he he just has such a potential offensively too, and we've seen that. I mean, he's came out with huge off- offense performances. Noted the Ole Miss game at Ole Miss this year and a few other games. Um, but point being, these are just the areas that Auburn's gonna have to improve on. Now we're not we're not harassing those points. Just we're critiquing to see 
next year where this team heads with who all is that's coming back. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they had three straight losses, and that, that that's a slump. And yeah. they weren't against particularly great teams other than Baylor. Georgia is not a not good, good team. Ole Miss, they might end up being good. They might end yeah. up in the tournament. That might be okay. But that's also at home, and you had a 16-point lead. It's yes. an issue to lose to them in overtime. Yes. So, and, Especially and, when Sharif hits a miracle shot yeah. right before it happens. And, hey, even Vanderbilt – that performance wasn't great. You should not. You should have won against Vanderbilt by fifteen to twenty. Yeah, I agree. Um, so biggest thing, Auburn goes into Rupp. Like we said, they haven't won there since the eighties. Um, could have won there last year. I mean, kind of. That was the closest Auburn came. Yeah. So big thing heading into this weekend for that matchup. What is it for you? I mean, it's got to be the defensive side of the ball. Because other than the Vanderbilt game, you're allowing 86, 91, 84 to Baylor. And Kentucky obviously is not great on offense. They're not good in general. So I really look at the defensive side, and you got to stop B.J. Boston, who's really starting to find his groove. He's going to be a draft, a first-round draft pick this year. I think if you can slow him down and, and some of the other playmakers on the Kentucky team, then you're going to have a really good chance. It's It all comes down to that defense. I agree. I think another thing also is getting the boards, one, and two, sharing the basketball. Um, this was back uh, last month when Sharif Cooper played Kentucky at home for the first time. He didn't really have a great game, um, but he had a lot of assists that game as well. I think a big key is going to be when Auburn gets on the offensive side of the floor, they're going to have to pass. They're going to have to share the ball a lot. Um I don't know why, but I'm not super worried about the defense with this game. The only thing that I'm worried about is the offense just because we saw how terrible it looked the other night against Vandy. Um, so I think that's my key to the game is getting the boards and then Auburn passing the ball on offense. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's tough to find who on this team is going to be a consistent scorer other than Sharif Cooper. Sharif yeah. Cooper, and hey, last game against Vanderbilt, it almost looked like it wasn't. He, he only had like six or nine points. I forget exactly how many points he had. With under six minutes to go, he hadn't scored under 11 points yet this year, and then he gets the free throw line a bunch and gets a 19. And other than that, who knows who's going to emerge? Javal Johnson was the guy against Vanderbilt, and I think I think uh, Jalen Williams did really well against Georgia, against Ole Miss. I think it was your usual suspects with with Cambridge, Flanagan. The, the Ole Miss game was the best scoring game I think I've seen, which the starters were doing a good job. Dylan Carball scored 10 points, but point being. Alan Flanagan and JT Thor early in the year were doing such a great job scoring the ball consistently. I mean, all the talk about Flanagan was how he was the most improved player in the SEC, but he's fallen off quite a bit since then. He Definitely hasn't has. been able to get the ball in the basket, and he did it well against Ole Miss. But then again, last night or Tuesday night, it it kind of went off again. He's only two for nine. He's six for eight from the free throw line. That's a big deal. Like if he needs to the free throw line. Good job. That that's all that matters. But I, I'm really looking to see who can become that consistent score for these last six games. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see Auburn. Still, you can tell the efforts there. Going to see how they can try to try to finish out the season like Shreve Cooper was alluding to. Um, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to move on to the NBA. Um, more notably, real quick, <laughs> Jacobs Hawks losing a heartbreaker last night. Uh, quick thoughts about the loss. Let's just talk about that last possession. <laughs> Take it over. You, you got Trey it. Young was obviously not happy because he got trucked as he was setting a screen. And then, because he's on the ground and you have about two seconds left to make a pass on the inbounds, 
You get it to Danilo Gallinari, and you let him take the final shot. He was about the fifth guy on the floor that I wanted to take the final shot. It was not a good shot. It was a long two from the left wing when you're down one. And honestly, I don't think it's like they designed it like that. I don't think Lloyd Pierce designed it for that to happen because Trey Young hit the deck, and at that point, you just got to improvise. But... I don't know. The Hawks were up by almost 10 going into the fourth quarter. Blew that lead. We're down six. And then the Mavericks kind of choked. It was back and forth between two teams that right now I'd consider mediocre. Luka Doncic is frustrated on Dallas' side. Obviously, Young was not happy with the foul call at the end. But I think I think the Hawks are a little more put together than the Mavericks. But Luka Doncic is just so good that they're okay right now. Tim Hardaway Jr. in the, in the fourth quarter scored about 15 points almost. I... I don't know. That last possession frustrated me a lot. The whole game was not... It was an exciting game, but I really think the defensive side needs to improve a lot for the Hawks. Yeah, it seems like in terms of completed... Or not completed. uh, In a better state. seems like Atlanta's been uh, in a way better state so far this year than Dallas. Um, And I don't think that's the first time Dallas has beat Atlanta this year. I think I've lost them again. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, because Trey Young was 1-2 going into last night against Luka Doncic and now he's 1-3. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I think I look at the, the box score and John Collins scoring 33 points, Young with 25, Herder with 23, and then you have Gallinari score 11 off the bench. I still don't want Gallinari ever taking that last shot because he was 2 for 12. Yeah. He was 6 for 6 from the free throw line. But it's just, I don't know, the defense has got to improve. And, obviously, guarding Luka Doncic is not going to be easy ever. This but, is forever the Luca versus. This is gonna be the Luca versus Trey Bowl. For yeah, the just because they were trade for each yes. other. But I, I just don't think that's fair to do because like they're both gonna kill each other on the offensive side. They're both respectively good in their own ways. Yeah, um, pretty much. But other headlines around the NBA: um, Utah Jazz, like, hello, <laughs> quickly to the top of the West, twenty and five, a game ahead of the Lakers or half a game above. What the heck? <laughs> um, I mean, it just seems like out of nowhere, it's just like a little snap, and then Utah's first place. The only chance of stopping them is Nikola Jokic coming out of nowhere. Yeah. That That is their kryptonite, You mean the much. Nikola Jokic that uh, Isaac Okoro yes. dunked on? Yes, but I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because it was funny because I saw on Twitter, Rob Perez, Worldwide Wob, he was talking about how people are like, oh, regular season doesn't matter or whatever. Well, it's going to matter if the Jazz get the first seed and the Lakers and Clippers have to play in the second round. Yeah. That's a big deal. So that's going to knock one of them out. Exactly. So if you can knock them out of the conference finals together, that gives a Western Conference team a chance to beat, just beat them one time yeah. to get to the finals. Which, and that's something that we talked about last year going into the, going into the bubble playoffs was um, the fact that it was a huge thing that lost the, both the L.A. teams finished 1-2 and two, so they wouldn't meet until the finals. Well, the Clippers got knocked out in the semifinals against mm-hmm. the Nuggets. So that's a big deal. You're right. Wait, because it's just like, if it's going to be it's going to be so difficult for a team. If they do somehow upset one of those two teams in the semifinals, it's exactly what the Nuggets did. Beating both of them two times in a row in a seven-game series is going to be impossible. It is. It definitely is. Um, but regardless, I mean... Utah is sitting at the top of the Western standings as follows. Los Angeles Clippers, or Lakers and the Clippers. Suns at four with a 15-9 record. Portland, San Antonio, then the Nuggets and Warriors to follow. 
out the top eight with Sacramento and Memphis closely behind. Um, and it's kind of also strange to see the Suns up there at the four spot right now. Well, yeah, the Suns got a big victory against the the Bucks last night. And the Bucks, obviously, with Giannis, they're I think they're still trying to figure things out. They are Giannis. He's I have to feel like he's trying to do too much. Last night he went seven for eight in the fourth quarter, did a really good job scoring, and he missed a game winning shot. He was seven and seven until the game winning shot, which he missed. But it's still one of those things where it was funny. They did they did a whole uh, they did a whole clip or a or a whole sequence of Giannis missed three pointers when DeAndre Ayton is in the paint guarding him. Yeah, and he missed them anyway. It's like he just is not confident at all shooting a three. And even if he is confident, he's still not going to make very many of them. He did shoot better from the free throw line. Yeah, he he didn't shoot one for ten like he did earlier in the year. Yeah, I think the Bucks are going to be really good at some point, but right now it's got to piece together. Yeah. Especially, think, especially if they want to get to the top of the East. Yeah, I agree with... I think the way you put it was probably best was Giannis is... It seems like he's been trying to do too much lately. I mean, it almost seems at times that he thinks he can be a point forward or he is trying to be or he's trying to do too much through him instead of through his... How do I put it? Through his outlets of his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I agree. I think I think they're still in prime hunting position, obviously. They're two in the East, uh, only behind the 76ers who have been great this year with their um, new coaching staff and everything. So... I don't know. And it also seems like I th- it seems like there's also also been a little bit less urgency from Milwaukee. Um, and I can't put my finger on why, but I don't know. Really, though, after when you look at it, after the standings, after Brooklyn and Milwaukee, when you have Boston and Toronto and everybody else, it's kind of just a big pile of teams. Yeah, it is. So don't pay too much attention to the standings right now, um, including your Hawks being at eight. I know that's <laughs> that probably kills your confidence, but I mean, they're one game out of the one, a game and a half out of the four seed. They are so. <laughs> that's the point. Being after the top three, you're you're really not guaranteed playoffs or no playoffs right now. Um, right. I mean, the only teams that you're just, that are not really in are the Wizards and Pistons. God, God bless Bradley Beal. <laughs> Man. Um. Back to the Suns, though. Yeah. I really like this team this year. I mean, they're on a four game winning streak, and they've won seven of their last eight. Look out. Yeah. Because Devin Booker is ready to do his things, averaging 23.8 points per game. DeAndre Aiden is, is the guy, though. He's starting, he's starting to come out of his shell. He really is. His, they were talking about it last night. His scoring's down, but it's because his rebounds are up. He's doing a great job really putting his effort on that defensive end and making sure that he's grabbing rebounds. 12.6 rebounds per game, and he's also averaging 14.1 points per game. And I think that Chris Paul's doing a great job, too. Yeah. Chris, he, he, there's not much to talk about with him because he's just doing his thing. He's doing his thing, and we talked about the fact that since he was going to be on that team now, they needed like a veteran point guard presence um, to coach and teach an offense that had so much potential, like Devin Booker, like DeAndre Ayton. Um, so I, it's it's not a surprise to see them in the playoff picture right now, but it's a surprise to see them at 15-9 winning seven of their last eight and being right behind L.A., L.A., and Utah. Um now, the real question comes to how long does this stretch last? And whatever they see in the playoffs, how far do they make it? Potential-wise, they can make it as far as they want to go. They could. Um, especially with the former number one pick in DeAndre Ayton coming out of his shell like we were talking about. I mean, he's averaging 12.6 rebounds for the team this year, which leads them. I mean, that's the big man that they had been struggling to find for years. And having that young talent in Devin Booker and having a veteran presence in Chris Paul that potential is kind of through the roof, you'd have to think. Oh, yeah. Their, their ceiling is absolutely an NBA championship. Yeah. 
Now the floor is the big question. It it could be an eight seed. I feel I feel like they're solidly going to make the playoffs. No, yeah, for sure they'll make the playoffs. But I feel like, I, like if I made a prediction right now, I would put them at that four, five, or six line. Yeah, I'd say they're four, six, or seven. Um, because if you look at it right now, they're only two and a half games above the eight seed. So I'd say the six or seven seed has to be the four, and NBA championship, like you just said, definitely has to be their potential. Because I mean, Chris Paul. I don't think he's ever won an NBA championship. He is not. Could this be a, a vengeful? <laughs> well, what a place to do it at. I mean, yeah. I mean, after everybody's written you off, after you left Oklahoma City after one year, a new super team has been formed out in the East. I mean, it'd be kind of an epic story. It'd be a, I would love it. It'd be a 60 for 60. Listen, I, unless, they were playing the Haw- unless they were playing the Hawks, I'd be pulling for the Suns in the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. That's and definitely it, a team that everybody's going to be pulling yeah, for. Yeah, I don't really think there's an East team that would get me to pull for them over the Suns. Just because, of, especially because of what they did in the bubble last year. I mean, Devin Booker went stupid. The picture of him laying on the floor with his makeup. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's cool. And, I mean, I can almost talk about the Nets real quick. Yeah. Losing to the Pistons, and then they bounce back with a big victory against the Pacers. They, they're on a three-game losing streak against the Raptors, seven Sixers, two of the best teams in the East, whatever. But then losing to the Pistons? I think they gave up about 60-something points in the paint. That's not good at all, which we knew they would kind of struggle with. I, yeah, uh, it was 58 points in the paint from the Pistons. That's not good. No, it's not. That's not good at, <laughs> not at all. all. I really think that whenever KD gets back and this team finally meshes, that you're going to see Because it seems like they're kind of playing a little bit better without KD. Yeah. But I also don't think that's going to be – this is not gonna, This is not the best they're going to play this year. And that kind of goes to the point that you say too much firepower is bad firepower. I think a lot of people kind of trying to copy the 2010 Golden State Warriors. Um, and when you put too much firepower together, not all of that power gets to be used, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like, uh, did you? I don't know if you saw the story the other day, but D-Wade said something about like him and LeBron James almost went to Chicago instead of going to Miami together because they had Joakim Noah, they had Derrick Rose before yeah. his knee injury and everything, but D-Wade said that was just too much firepower. He was like, that's too many people trying to hold the ball at once. Could that end up being Brooklyn's kryptonite? Steve Nash? I mean... Maybe. I feel like he would understand that and understand a way to not make that so. But... I think I think once the playoffs come around... Here's the thing. They all need to get on the floor together for the regular season so they can figure it out now. Exactly, yeah. Before the, before the postseason. You know, I, I, I don't think... I personally, I don't think they're going to win the championship. I think that is too early. Might take a year or two for exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. So that's my whole reasoning behind not thinking they're gonna they have a chance to win it. Like I think a team in the West will definitely knock them out. But yeah, it's it's interesting with you got know, Katie averaging twenty nine and a half, Kyrie averaging twenty seven point nine, and James Harden averaging twenty three point three. Harden isn't used to averaging that low points. He's usually up in the thirties almost. Right. I don't know. Of course Harden's getting assists now. Yeah. He's averaging eleven point three assists per game. So he's basically the point guard. Yeah, and that's and that's a good point to make is they all have I don't think they've all been on the floor enough with each other to understand how to play with each other yet. But I mean once they do, like playoffs watch out because they could run through the East now. Ultimately I agree this year it's gonna be somebody from the West, probably LeBron and the Lakers again. Um but point being, in a year Brooklyn might have this thing figured out to where they go for a run, on a run for a few years. Saturday night will be interesting at the Warriors as long as KD's back. 
Now, of course, I don't even know if the Warriors are, have gotten their big men back. I still think Draymond Green is basically their center, which he's not a center at all. That three-point attempt the other night was awesome. Yeah, but win. if they can go toe-to-toe with Steph, and if Steph, as long as Steph has a good game, then I think I'll start to be more confident in the Nets. But, of course, that's also going to be KD's first game back since the whole COVID contact tracing issue went down. So you can't really judge him off that. But still, I want to see them perform well because here's another thing. If you deal with injuries in the playoffs or some kind of resting issues or anything, you're going to need to be able to play with them whenever they take a game off. Right. And tonight they play Chumo Kiki's Magic. Hmm. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> It'll be a good game. Chuma is back. Chuma, hey, look, Chuma had that nice bounce pass. He did. The other night. I think... I, have a little bit of Auburn in the NBA. Isaac Okoro dunking on a probable MVP this year. Chumo Kiki making passes that are insane for technically a rookie. Well, Chumo, his first game back from injury, he scored 10 points with two threes. Now, unfortunately, he's playing on the Magic. but And unfortunately, Isaac's playing <laughs> on the Cavs. Hey, the Cavs are 10 I and say, 15, I think? The Cavs, I will give them credit. I, I really like the whole Okoro Sexton duo. I mean, it's a lot of fun to I watch. I just think they need a solidified big man or a power forward. Yeah, and, and, and Drummond is kind of that, but he can't do it all on his own. Yeah, he needs he needs some help. But, uh, no, the Cavs are 10-16, and 16, and they're only, let's see, they're only two games out of the playoffs right now. Still early. It is. Still very early. But, um, they, see, here it's funny because Chuma and Isaac are both kind of not scoring a lot, so they're not getting a lot of attention. But listen to Chuma's stat line from their 118-92 loss to the Bulls. So he only scored two points, but he had two blocks, and a steal, three assists, and five rebounds. He's making an impact. He's there. He's plus five in a almost a, in a well, yeah, 26-point loss when the entire— hey, Listen to the plus-minuses for their starting five. Minus 15, minus 21, minus 13, minus 41 for Vucevic, minus 34, and he had the, he was tied for the best plus minus with Mo Bamba. Hey. And he played 10 more minutes than Mo Bamba. The Mo, I mean. Guys, Magic, what are you doing? Well. Hey, let's talk about Jared Harper. <laughs> who's only played five minutes today. And they're in the third <laughs> really? quarter. Really? Five minutes, five points? He or? knocked down a three in the first two minutes. He's only played five minutes? I don't know if he got hurt. I was hoping he didn't um, get injured. But Jared Harper also posterizing people yesterday. I think he dropped 31 points. Yeah, he did. Um, but. I don't want to think of the G League. It makes me sad because Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga play there. Well, hey, maybe maybe Jared will put one of them, break one of their ankles, and dunk on them. Wouldn't that be something? Or Admiral Schofield today, uh, who's playing for the Swarm. I, Admiral, go do your thing, okay? He's soft. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I didn't know Vernon Carey Jr. was in the G League Dude, right these now. G League rosters are interesting. They are. This one's got um, uh, Labat, Shane Labassier. Yeah. Isn't that the guy from Kentucky? Yeah. They Miles Powell. Yeah, they have a few interesting Rice Brown's inactive for the Westchester Knicks, so we might get to see him at some point. It's almost like a pro team should pick up, or an NBA team should pick up Jared Harper. I mean, it's crazy. It seems like he's really good. I mean, yeah. It's almost like the only high scorer on their team today so far is 13 points, and they're in the third quarter. Jared had 30-something last night, so it's ridiculous. He'll get a shot. He will. He'll get a shot. Well, that's going to do it for the scoreboard today. Uh, sorry for the shortened show. Like we said, couldn't do a live show today, but hey, we are glad for the power of technology, uh, being able to do a podcast from home. Um, 
If you're listening to this, you're listening on your favorite platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast, you can find this episode and the rest of the scoreboard episodes, live shows, and pre-recorded podcasts. Um, Be back on the live airways next week. Hopefully, if not, check our Twitters for an update, but we should be back on the airwaves. And as always, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live from Weekly 91.1 FM. This has been The Scoreboard. This has been The Scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.